Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. With me, as always, is Steven Taylor. How are you two doing? Doing all right. This is a good weekend for, like, modern horror. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, especially, and this one, which I... F- like, actually, both movies felt like they had, like, a 50-50 line of haters and people that love it. So oh, yeah, yeah I, I'm excited to give the love side because I, I love both these movies. So I do yeah, too. too. Yeah. And I always love the people who are like, I don't like politics in my horror movies. And I'm like, eh, go back and watch like most horror movies. There's some political element to it. Like, calm down. Um, but uh, yeah, we're talking about Candyman, not the original, though. The 2021 legacy sequel, I guess. Yes, and let's say that not because not the original because we've already done the original and you can go back in the back catalog and listen to that episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I think I was trying to remember. I think we all generally like the original. Yeah. So oh, for sure, the original is a classic, and Tony Todd is a, a fucking god. And uh, I mean him and him and uh, Virginia Madison have such good chemistry in it. There is daytime horror in it, which is always mm-hmm. so satisfying to look at. Bernard Rose shot the shit out of that movie. It looks really great. Um, but yeah, that said, Nia DaCosta and Jordan Peele do this legacy sequel uh, last year. And I mean, even in the announcing that this was coming, I there was so much trepidation, I think, from a from all the horror fan base. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I don't know. I think, like, stuff about this movie pre-release kind of ruined it in a way. Like, I know they announced that Tony Todd was coming back, and people got really excited about that. But then when you watch the movie, you realize, like, his contribution to the film is, like, minuscule in comparison to, like, what is actually going on in the movie. Like, but I leapt out of my seat with that reveal Mm -hmm. i was like oh my god like i was so blown away by it i was a little disappointed that they spoiled that because i was like yeah when i was first watching this movie i was like where is it where is the uh moment where we see uh tony todd and when it finally comes i was like oh okay i kind of wish i didn't know that but yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have been really neat if you didn't. If it was just like, yeah, he's not involved at all. Yeah. Like, and then just boom, that last shot. That mm-hmm. it's so well done. It's such a cool shot of just like him turning. Oh, oh. yeah. It's is, uh, it still gives me chills. Like I, th- this movie is so awesome. Was was his involvement revealed by creators, or was it like a Spider-Man thing where they just couldn't keep it under wraps, basically? Um, I think it was the second one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that sucks. That sucks especially then. 
I think it was Tony Todd who actually was like, I'm I'm in this new one. And everyone was oh. Like, oh my god. <laughs> of course yeah. it's like Tony Todd's like however old and you know Yeah. You know. I'm sure he doesn't care to play the publicity game anymore, which I don't blame him, so but... think about Tony Todd. Tony Todd and we talked about this in the, the nineteen ninety two um the podcast we did on the nineteen ninety two one, but like he is an actor's actor. Like he has this almost Shakespearean sense of gravitas to him mm-hmm. that makes I mean he made the Candyman role beyond you know the 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 Clive Barkerness of it like he owned it he made it his own thing and he made it his own thing also in a sort in a sense of black cinema as well mm-hmm. um because uh, sadly besides the jokey ones in in the 70s and stuff you don't really have a lot no. So Tony Todd is kind of like the man at the top of the mountain. Yeah. And what I like, too, about this is that, you know, yes, it's a movie that kind of focuses on, like, African-Americans and tells a story in a really interesting way. But, like, it's still independent of that. It's just such a great movie. And I think that's mm-hmm. what makes it so awesome is, yeah, it's great that you get that. And I, I really appreciate that. But also it didn't need that to be a great movie. It is still no. a fantastic movie independent of the, the sort of meta narrative that I was trying to tell. So, and, and it's, it's gentrification horror down to its core because I mean, it's about the Cabrini green neighborhood in Chicago being, you know, them basically painting over the rust and being like, it's all good here, but it's also, like our our main character played by by Yaya Abdul Mateen the second um Anthony he's being gentrified by Candyman his body is being hollowed out he is being changed quote unquote for the better to a higher being of life is what Candyman is supposed to be right mm-hmm. he's supposed to be like like the the vengeance of the world kind of mm. combined to to make this evil entity that's there for a semblance of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so messed up. The reveal about him, too, was really well done in this movie. And, like, mm-hmm. the throwback to the original Candyman um, with her, like, ki- kidnapping the baby, but also not kidnapping the baby. And then it turns yeah. out that Anthony is the baby. Mm-hmm. He was the one who was in the, the burning fire that he was pulled out by... I, I'm totally blanking on her character's name, Helen. He was pulled yes. out by by uh, Helen's character in the first movie, and now he's grown up and he's being sucked back into it. It's just, yeah. oh, that was so good. That 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 whole reveal scene of him seeing his mom there was just, oh, I loved that. I love I love a good callback or or a through line from from previous movies uh, into new movies. It's just so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you and you like keep wondering what's the through line, like where where is this one like the direct sequel or mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Like you're wondering, you know, is this a new story? And then it's like, no, 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 this is this is again a, a, another um, another metaphor on gentrification is you can't just board up that ghastly black hole because it is gonna come back at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the 
very meta summary of Candyman is a sequel to the original film, Candyman 1992, that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. Wow, that's so simple. Yeah. <laughs> that's almost like a, a development tagline or, or a synopsis. It almost where is, they, yeah. Where they haven't even gone into production yet. They're in pre. So let's just throw something up as a template. Yeah. It, uh, I, I just love how it has to spell out that it's a sequel to the film, just in case you were really wondering. <laughs> I'm, I'm also curious because I know that this one very, like, it's just a sequel to the first one. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming nothing from the other Candyman movies, like Candyman 2 or 3, had, were considered, uh, are, are they just not considered canon? Like, I'm not quite, I haven't seen them myself, so I'm not quite sure the contents of, Candyman 2 and 3, but if we've skipped over them now to have the 2021 be the sequel, can we just consider them not part of, like, the official canon anymore? I wonder how that works. It kind of does have that universal Halloween, Halloween kills, Halloween ends type of thing where it's Mm -hmm. just like, yeah, so that second one never happened. Mm -hmm. The second second through six never happened. (laughs) H2O and Resurrection also never happened. I think there was or like, the Rob Zombies never happened. There is some stuff from the sequel that the sequels that they pulled, like in the sequels, they name his real name to be like Daniel Robotov. Oh, yes, I and see. that was okay. not true. in the first movie, but that was something that was revealed in the second. So I think like there's some small little tidbits pulled, but yeah, largely it's. It's just a direct sequel, but there's nothing that really counters that, that those movies don't exist. Like, it's interesting that, yeah, you got, like, because um, I was reading up on how certain elements were pulled from those other films. And, yeah, it's not a whole lot. Like, there's not direct characters that come in or anything, but there is certainly a little bit of uh, of a continuation there in some regard. Cool. That's interesting, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when was the first time we watched this? Uh, the Universal sent me the link. Yeah, same. Yeah. Mm, I didn't get to their see links it are better. Their mm. links are better, I'll say. Yeah. Uh, There's are usually more of uh, we've we've hidden the email a little bit so you don't see. Yeah, it as exactly. Much. Uh, when it came out on streaming, I think I watched it, but I can't remember exactly when that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it came out on streaming pretty quickly because it I was sort so. of one of those COVID movies where I think they were pretty quick to get it out there so people could watch it at home. So That's uh, an actual little funny bit of trivia about this movie and Malignant is they were both uh, supposed to come out, I think, in 2020 and then got pushed back for pandemic reasons. So, yeah. The little, little trivia there about uh, those movies we're covering. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Uh, we have a few emails. Uh, Julian says, the scene where her dad commits suicide is the scariest shit I saw in 2021. Oh. It's a great scene. Yeah. yeah. And and just the... the yeah, I, I forget the actor's name that plays him, but my God like just that that last look 
like before. Oh, so good. I'm, oh yeah. I'm not trying to be too, too mean, but I I do wonder what that scene, like, kind of does for the overall film because it's a great scene. But I'm always like, what's the point of that scene? Like, I don't know. Maybe I just something. I used to show her level of damage and acceptance. Mm. Yeah. Of what is going on with Anthony, like how she can be any kind of conduit in on what she what he's going through. Okay. Yeah, Maybe just to show her level of trauma, like what her what her threshold is. While she saw her father commit suicide when she was what X years old, right? Like under yeah. ten for sure. So well, and I so think then what? her her father is also an artist. There's there's some dialogue about um, putting his paintings away or putting his paintings in a warehouse and selling them or something like that. It's it's brought up a couple times. It's when um, they're at Anthony's show showing off his stuff and someone approaches her and says, "Oh, it's such a good thing you boxed up all those old paintings." Blah blah blah. Like there's some there's some connection to her father's art and Anthony's art that I think kind of helps explain a little bit of why yeah maybe why she's sticking with him or something like that i'm not quite sure but but there is this whole overarching theme of like artists and and maybe even like the black experience maybe that's just supposed to be a metaphor for that but mm -hmm. um it's uh there is something there was something going on with her father but i i kind of almost agree with kurt that there it almost didn't it lacked a bit of connection to the plot mm -hmm. of the movie yeah um uh, but still that scene and and him being like I bet you didn't know that your father could fly or or I can't remember the exact line itself but holy crap just intense yeah well there's certainly a point too where I was thinking like they were going to show that scene later on and have it connect to uh, Candyman like maybe have him in a mirror or something like kind of pushing pushing the father to do what he did so I don't know. I was made. I was kind of hoping they would do something like that, like just side, sort of tie it into the Candyman narrative a bit more directly. But I mean, it's still a great scene. But I, I was rewatching it. I'm like, I'm still trying to wonder what the heck the scene contributes to. But it's, it doesn't even necessarily have to. It's still a pretty good scene, even in its own right. So, um, Jessica says. Can someone explain Burke's subplot in this? Was he a disciple of Candyman or was he just a regular schizo? Not sure he needed to be in this, but his heel turn in the third act felt out of nowhere in a bad way. Um, I don't know. Hmm. I can I can kind of see that. I'm I'm also struggling to remember exactly who Burke. Like he was a a young boy who experienced um, Candyman. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and so that that kind of was his draw into it is he he knows what's going on, but I do almost kind of see the point of he he does feel almost a little out of place, like he's needed to help move some plot things forward. Um, but yeah, I, I can kind of see that a little bit. I think he's kind of like a Renfield, like a dormant Renfield. Mm. Yeah, like he's there. He there there needs to be a human. Yeah, there needs to be some kind of human that um, is able to um, help the, the 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 physical things to the metaphysical, and I think that's what his what his job is. You know, mm -hmm. he's kind of the quiet know it all, 
that steps in when he's supposed to step in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I saw him as like he's tied to this evil, but he is the sentient human part of it. Yeah. That only acts when he needs to act. And because but what we're saying is, you know, this world has been without a Candyman conduit for so many years until Anthony was of age to become that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, then, I guess I guess Burke almost was like a disciple in some way because he was when just he, waiting. Yeah, yeah, when he met Anthony, that's when he was like, here we go. This is the yeah. new Candyman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I think, like, the the whole point of this movie is that um, there's sort of, like, a hive of characters that kind of are all central to the Candyman narrative. And I think what you're supposed to take away is that Burke's, uh, that uh, um, yeah, his character name was Burke, right? I'm trying to yeah. remember. Yeah. Yeah, William Burke. He, I think they're trying to imply that he is a part of that hive. His narrative is a part of that story, but it's not one that we get to see a lot of. We see a little bit of it, but we don't get as much. Whereas, arguably, when you've you've seen the original Candyman and you've seen this one, like, you're seeing these full narratives, but you don't really see his. It's alluded to that he had sort of, like, a story amongst it, but I don't think they really dive into it. And I don't know, maybe they could do a prequel focusing on his character. That would be interesting. Like, where... What, what kind of gets him to that point? That could be a very interesting story. Um, I'm not... I, I I kind of feel like it would have been nice to have a bit more with his story and a bit more of a connection to the Candyman narrative. Because the scenes that are in there, I think they're great, but it, it does sometimes kind of, I think, lack that sort of obvious oomph to kind of connect it to the other other stories. Mm. But I, yeah. I, I still kind of picked up that, like, okay, like his story is one of the many that we're, that we're supposed to see as part of this, like, collection of Candyman stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was just, like, because there is a scene where he sees his uh, his sister get killed by Candyman yeah. in the bathroom when he's waiting outside. And if there had just been maybe, like, a some sort of scene there where he kind of decides, okay, like, because he's... He, especially as a young boy, seems sympathetic to the Sherman character at the time, who is the Candyman, because he's, you know, he's creepy. He's coming out of a wall and giving you candy, but he's going back in and he's not doing anything else. And and Burke, as a young boy, obviously kind of goes, moves on from that. He screams at first, but then he moves on quietly from that situation and tries not to alert the police to where he is, you know? So it's obvious that Burke himself is sympathetic to this Candyman character as Sherman, um so but it almost needed like that one extra scene of him like it clicking in his brain and us seeing his brain turn over into okay i need to help this now um and maybe that would have given us a bit more connection and and a bit more to that but yeah overall overall i can see that for sure i um i saw a really interesting theory online that suggested that like maybe he gets framed for his sister's murder and like that's kind of what maybe breaks him and maybe gets him like gives him this closer connection to Candyman. Mm. See, but in that instance, it's almost like, well, maybe he should have been the next Candyman then. Yeah. Maybe he was too young as a kid or something like that. But yeah, mm. interesting, interesting. Yeah. 
Um, okay. And then Kirk says, is Vanessa Williams an immortal vampire or something? She's not aged at all. Yeah, I know. I was like, that's this dude's mom. She looks like she could be his older sister or something. She's looking good. Yeah. Like she's, she's what in her forties, fifties now, but I could barely tell. I mean, she looked, she looked pretty much the same as she did in the original Candyman. So actually she's almost 60. So holy cow. I was going to say forties. That might be a little young, but yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, she's she's great in this, and I like that they brought her back too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really sells the connection to the original there. Okay, uh, best line, and I put, "Ain't a dick on the planet good enough to offset a good demonology hobby." <laughs> <laughs> that is a there, really good one. There are a lot of. There's another funny one that I wrote down of the girls in the bathroom. One of them says, "Don't be a pussy," and then another one says, "Why not? It's a warm and wonderful thing." <laughs> <laughs> there's some good little like. There's a really good writing in this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really like the black people don't need to be summoned and shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a really really great line. Um, I also can't not bring up the end monologue where Anthony is saying the Candyman's basically monologue of I am the writing on the walls. I am the sweet smell yes. of blood on the street. But it's Anthony saying it. it was Oh, that was so good. Mm-hmm. And then tell uh, tell them about me. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. Fucking love it. Like, like I said, that it just even talking about it gives me chills. Like, it's just so well constructed. Mm hmm. And, like, such a great way to go to credits on. Like, it, yeah, I, w- I was just in love with it, just enamored. And then when I, like, when I saw the initial, like, reception to it, I was like, did everyone see the same movie that I did? Yeah. Because it, it, it kind of got, it kind of got beaten up at first. Yeah, I think, I hate to say this, because I'm sure people can dislike a movie for many different reasons, but... It did seem like a vast majority of people just didn't quite understand, like, that this movie was telling uh, a story and one that is kind of like a, yeah, politically charged one. And some people just don't like that. I think people sometimes just want to go to a movie and turn their brain off, not be shown the true life horrors that they're maybe trying to escape from, so... I I also wonder what percentage of people seeing this movie had actually seen the original Candyman. Because, like, me watching this movie, um, obviously the reveal of Anthony being the baby from the original one and pulled out of the fire by Helen, that had a pretty big impact on me because, I mean, I've seen the original Candyman. I know that scene, you know? It's... It's it's a it's like a callback to that that helps bring up the emotions from that scene as well. And I just wonder how much impact that would have on someone who hadn't seen the original Candyman, I guess. And I'm yeah. I don't know. I'm curious about that. I'm curious if there just isn't quite as much. Uh, I can't think of a different word. So impact. I just wonder if there isn't quite as much impact if you haven't seen the original. But I don't know. Yeah. Either way, I. I don't understand the dislike for this movie like i still think it's a great movie i think maybe it could have been rounded out edgewise a little bit like just sand out a little bit just to get some things a little bit better but it i think too it also helps if you've seen the original movie 
and probably mm -hmm. pretty closely to when you watch this one because i think i think like a double feature between these two would be perfect oh yeah that's what i did and i highly highly recommend it yeah i watched the first Candyman and then immediately went into the the i guess it's not a remake i guess it is tech, like a full-on sequel so yeah i would um, say it is and I think that I think that's perfect, especially because in the in the sequel you do hear people talk about Helen. Um, and I really, really liked how the first time you hear people talk about Helen, you hear them talk about her as if she is the monster, which yeah. was the whole point of what Candyman was doing to her. He yep. was like, Be a monster with me, join me in this, and we will live forever, essentially, right? So yeah. it was it was uh yeah, yeah. So that's also just what makes me so curious. Like, you, I wonder, people must have a different experience of this movie if they haven't seen that. And if anyone, like, it, um, I might have brought it up before. There's a podcast called The the Movie Crypt with uh, Adam Green and Joe Lynch. And they ha they've had Jordan Peele on a couple of times. And he mentioned how much he loved Candyman um, and how influential it is on his horror work and everything and for him to to be able to do this movie with Nia DaCosta and to focus on the things that were obviously very important to them it shines through like um just the the loca the location of Cabrini Green at the the heart of it is such a like a such a big deal to it and it makes it it it, it brings out how sociopolitical that Candyman was when it was made mm -hmm. and how much that that has been forgotten so it to bring it to the forefront again is so fucking satisfying mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i i yeah i'm just gonna harp on more about how much you should watch the original before you watch mm -hmm. this because mm -hmm. i really do think that elevates the sequel um just to see how um how well they take care of the original almost in this sequel that's the best way i can think to put it yeah. All right. Uh, best performance. This one might be uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I have to agree. Oh, that mirror it, scene. I, the mirror scene is fucking awesome. Here, I thought it'd be a little bit harder. <laughs> the, no, I'm his, I'm also debating. <laughs> yeah. His reaction to seeing that 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 first look of horror. When he sees Candyman in the mirror is so brilliant. It's such a great scene, mm. and any because I mean this be, uh, largely becomes a possession film as well. So any film that has a guy descending into some sort of madness over his ident identity and pulling it off, uh, you got to celebrate that. Mm -hmm. I I kind of went with Tayona Paris, and I think uh, mostly for that ending scene with her in the cop car, like. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, I I think that's one of the strongest scenes in the movie, and she really does sell that scene so well. And she's great even before that, too. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II, he, he's great, too. But uh, I I don't know, like, I, just something about rewatching. I focused on her performance. I was like, oh, this is actually really good. Although I could honestly switch between either on any given yeah. day. So. Yeah, I was literally debating between um, either Yaya or Tiona. So I, I, I feel like I gotta give it to Yaya just because of like the intensity of his character and what he goes through mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. yeah, I was I was kind of debating between those two. So 
and uh, Nathan Stewart Jarrett is also really great in this too. I'm such a fan of his from um, Misfits. Oh so, yes! And, so to see him appear in this movie, I was like, yes! As soon as I saw him, I was like, hell yeah, Misfits! He's... Oh, and his I love his American accent too. Yeah, <laughs> he's so funny in this, and like yeah, uh, there. Like a lot of his moments, like he really does kind of like add an extra little flavor to this movie, which I thought was great. Um, best kill. Oh, I put the police at the end. That whole massacre of the the police and him walking out of the building. Oh, it was like Chef's kiss on the at the end of this movie. I was a Clive and his girlfriend in the art studio. Well, that was pretty good too. The art exhibit. It just it's shot so well. I really love him going to the doors. Yeah, I, I really liked too when it start, it first started and he was like, "Is this real? Is this real?" I was like, "Yeah, that that's legitimately what someone would probably be asking at yeah. that point." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's I I, I I like the idea of, of being killed by the intangible and being unable to wrap your brain around that in the moment, mm-hmm. like being being killed while you're completely confused to what's going on. It's yeah. interesting. Oh, and then um, Brianna's got to walk in on that when she comes in the next morning, and yeah. then that's when you get that scene of her, the flashback of her dad too, and it's like, oh, holy! It's a it's a double whammy, right? Like. Yeah. Oh man, this movie should have been more celebrated than it was. It should have been. Uh, I went with um, the the art woman. Oh yeah. Stevens. Oh. Uh, and that's one that if like you are able to stream it now, which you can, like you can kind of pause and see some really cool stuff. Like there's mirrors that have Candyman showing up as she's being mm-hmm. dragged across the window. Like, that's not something I noticed when I watched it theatrically or even on the screener link I initially got. But, like, in streaming it, like, I was able to pause it and go through it. And, like, just the way that that scene is shot and composed and everything, it's just so fantastic. I I didn't appreciate it when I originally watched it. But, yeah, rewatching it, I'm like, there's little points where, yeah, you see him in a mirror. And it's just like, oh, I I gush about that scene. I think it's so well done. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things about this one and the last one we covered, *Malignant*, that I like is they don't they don't pull the punches with their kills. They just fucking yeah. kill people, and it's kind of amazing. I do wish this movie had maybe one or two more kills in it, but mm. it's still pretty. Good. I, the the bathroom scene with the teen girls could have had a little more gore, but yeah. you know, we we got what we got, and it was still pretty good for what it was. Yeah, yeah. I love the compact on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> And the oh, I love them all the mirrors with the bees where you, there's yeah. a, a bee inside the mirror and oh this oh, I just love this movie. Yeah, mm. yeah, I agree. Um, okay, uh, dumbest decision I put not getting the hand looked at. Like go yeah. to the doctor, dude. <laughs> I know it's expensive, but shit, get your fucking hand looked at. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, he really I, left that one. That one boil over didn't he i mean with with any Candyman movie the dumbest decision is always getting too involved with Candyman. Mm-hmm. um yeah. if you seek him out he will find you um so that 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 would probably be my dumbest decision <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'd probably go with that too. It's it's hard to choose in this one for me. Yeah. Everything I mean, is very circumstantial. Yeah, there there weren't too many dumb decisions because once the characters are kind of in it, they just have to make the decisions that they have to make, you know. Yeah. It's that Lovecraftian thing that we talk about a lot where you're kind of just like on a descent to hell, which is I mean very common in Clive Barker's writing as well. Whereas mm -hmm. just like you're on an oily hill and you're you're going to meet your fate. You just it's either going to be quick or it's going to be slow. Yeah. Yep. Um, could I, I want to bring up the beginning credits? Yeah. Because Taylor, Ooh. you watched the movies back to back. They yes. are mirrored. Oh, I didn't even realize that. The first, the Candyman credits are done over Chicago shooting down. But the oh. new movie, they're shooting up towards the the clouds in the sky and the skyscrapers and stuff. It's the reverse shot for That's the, for this cool. movie. That's yeah. cool. So fucking cool. Like, immediately I, like, squealed about that. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, this is how they're doing the credits? This is amazing. Yeah. I didn't even make that. I watched them back to back, and I didn't even make that connection yeah. in my head. Um, yeah. Although, for bringing up credits, I do also want to bring up the end credits, too. Because the the uh, shadow box that plays out with all of the Candymans at the end, that's pretty powerful, actually. Like, and that that whole thing made me tear up a little bit at the end because it was like a whole hurrah, you know? And how they use that as part of their marketing as well. Because the teaser trailer, I believe, was all done in that shadow box style. Oh, cool. So, yeah, just just so smart and... I, again, I like. I mean, this is kind of the first hurrah for Nia, Nia DaCosta, and I really hope that she has a lot more to come. Um, but uh, I mean, it just—it's just like another, another notch in the the win category for Jordan Peele, mm -hmm. who is just always like, oh, just I'll probably in 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 decades, I'll look back and I'll be like, yeah, Jordan Peele's still one of my favorite filmmakers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know it's kind of crazy to think about like a couple de a couple decades ago just seeing him on uh Mad TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The trajectory of his career is kind of amazing. I never knew he had this in him but then of course when I listened to the the movie crypt episodes I'm like, "Oh, all of this was just a means for him to get to this." Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's time to give this a score. What's everyone think it's score-wise? 9 out of 10. Nice. I, I want to give full marks again? Yeah, I was scared about doing that. Can I revise and go 10? I'm going to go 10. <laughs> Both these movies are just infinitely rewatchable, and I'll watch them anytime. I was just about to yeah. say that, and I think I'm also... I mean, I'm... Uh, a sucker for any any callbacks to like original movies and this one has it in spades and it it meshes the two so well together i just i just love it i just love it and i mean i watch them back to back so maybe that helps with my appreciation for this one too but um oh, I, I don't know it was just it was so good um yeah. and and it it felt very visceral and the kills were really good and it didn't feel like it was necessarily holding anything back. So I, 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 you know, yeah, maybe there was a character or two that I was like, not quite sure what you're up to or who you are and things like that. But I don't, I don't think that necessarily took away from me enjoying the film. Um, and there's just so much here that I absolutely love. So I'm going 10 again. 
So. Uh, I do really like this movie, but I think I'll give it an eight. I think what really drags it down for me is, yeah, some of those plot connections don't always like kind of line up for me. And I think the movie could have used a little bit more kills. Uh, I don't need this to be a Friday the 13th with like dozens of kills, but like, I don't know. It just felt like it was a little lacking in the kill department. I could have used a little bit more gore in my Candyman legacy sequel. Um, do I, it, it's still good. I was, I think it was one of the few movies I actually rewatched the most in theaters last year. Although this year that, that title is solely held by Top Gun Maverick. Um, it's just yeah it's it's a great watch it's equal parts entertaining and insightful and i think that's what makes it so great it's unlike a lot of these other movies you do feel like you're actually sort of taking it all in and learning something at the same time it's still a pretty entertaining movie in its own right so yeah Mm -hmm. eight out of ten still would recommend people check this one out if they haven't already And, and don't don't hate on it too much it's doesn't deserve it no i would love to see if they make a sequel or a prequel to this at one mm-hmm. point i could see them doing it either um so we'll see do you think pandemic numbers would kill that though i think pandemic numbers have definitely made it harder for a lot of movies to get sequels because it's hard mm-hmm. to actually gauge was it because this movie was ill-received or is it because this movie was well, because you know. I, I was bringing up that it, like I wish it was received better, but then if you go on to Rotten Tomatoes, it's an 84% fresh, and it's 72 in the audience score, which is as close as you can get as far as as far as you know critical and 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 uh, you know the regular people uh, reception. So it seemed to have done okay, better than I thought, hmm. to be honest. Or maybe people just had expectations going into it because it's a sequel, and and for some reason whatever was in their head just didn't match with what the movie was. But yeah, yeah, weird. I think yeah, for me the big thing about this is like I think it was critically received relatively well, but not quite the slam hit that it could have been. And then also too like audience reactions were a little middling. And then, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the the numbers box office-wise. And, like, I feel like if one was slightly stronger, it could probably make a better argument. But mm-hmm. I imagine the studio would at least be open to it. I mean, I feel like with a lot of these movies, like, just give it a second chance for a sequel and just see where it goes. So. Yeah. Candyman lives on. We gotta have Tayona's character come... Like, if there is another sequel, we gotta have Tayona's character come back for sure. I want a prequel with um, Burke. Like, tell me more of his story. I was really curious. Like, I, I don't know. I was actually rewatching this, and I was like, I could see them doing like a, a prequel and maybe like a side story to the original movie, or to sorry, not the original movie, but the one that came out last year, uh, focusing mm. on Burke. I could, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Steeple Dead. I'm also on Letterboxd. Um, you can find my website, stevestepping.ca. And I'm on the shift with Shane Hewitt every Thursday at 11 p.m. Uh, OnlyFans is still in a stalling position right now. 
It's it's the the beard is what what yeah. sells it. Nudity and beard. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Um, not on OnlyFans, but on <laughs> Instagram and Twitch. <laughs> I am Techronomicon. If I ever do an OnlyFans, you'll best be hearing about it because I want to make a million dollars off of it. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Gonna show uh, off them cheeks. That's what <laughs> OnlyFans is all about. It's just right? peach emojis everywhere. <laughs> Peaches and eggplants. Um, <laughs> where no, else? Okay, I'm not stalled anymore. That's the name of my uh, my OnlyFans now. Is, <laughs> is, is, is peaches and eggplants. <laughs> okay, but I would like at least a one percent cut. Okay, for, fine, uh, fine, okay. fine. Awesome, yeah. thank you. You're okay. gonna be part of my top top one percent. One percent. I feel like I'll at least make a decent chunk of change, right? <laughs> there so, we go. There um, we go. Where? Okay, I'm totally off track now. Uh, letterboxd. I'm on Letterbox too as uh, Cerciannic. And I, I think that's I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, I do not have an OnlyFans, although now I want to make one. But instead of nudes, all I do is just post videos of me watching Friday the Thirteenth, uh, <laughs> and just see what that gets me. Probably nowhere. Um, yeah, someone might be into that, Kurt. You never know. The the horror community is very welcoming. So people uh, masturbate <laughs> over weird shit all the time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, oh, this guy's watching uh one of the most people's opinions worse Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, let's, let's... <laughs> uh yeah, I'm over on Twitter film critic Kurt Fatal Koala on uh Letterbox. Uh, by the time you hear this, I don't know, start paying attention because I'm going to be going to VIF. And who knows, uh, they have not announced what the VIF lineup is as of time of this recording, but like, I'm hoping to see The Whale. That's actually the one that I probably want to see the most, is The Whale. I hope Yeah. Same. I hope that's part of the part It's of Aronofsky, the so. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to assume it will be, but I'm like, if they didn't, that would be, that would seem like a bit of an oversight, right? So, anyways. Um... Yeah, and then, uh, I don't know, just 6.30, Ched. I'm on there occasionally, too. Uh, they're, they're so great over there, and they're always so welcoming having me on. I always appreciate it. So, cool. Well, until next time, everybody, bye for now.